many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Outsiders, brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths, joined by Robin Brownlee. Hello, Robin. How are you, Bryn? I'm doing great, thanks. How was your weekend? It was excellent. Uh, do we have an NHL season yet? Uh, no, but it looks like we might have a Canadian Football League one, which is kind of what we're going to be going and talking about today, because joining us is a, a longtime follower of the Canadian Football League, longtime voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Rod Peterson, who's got a show called, of all things, The Rod Peterson Show. So we'll talk to Rod about that. Also, I see that the 1981 Edmonton Eskimos were named the CFL team of all time. No big surprise there. I'm just a little disappointed in how they rolled that out. That announcement came. But we'll get into that. At the back mm-hmm. end of the show, I'm sure we'll bring it up and talk with Rod a little bit about that. But uh, other than that, lots of sports going on this past weekend. However, unfortunately for me, I spent most of my Sunday putting up the Christmas tree. We're ready to go. <laughs> and and my job around my job around the house is real simple. I, I do the uh, the engineering stuff and the electrical work. So my job <laughs> is to kind of get the tree up and make sure the lights look great. And then I back away and let the others in the household worry about the decorations. I just sit there and have an eggnog. So that's about it. But, uh, you know, there was some football action on during the weekend. But for the most part, pretty quiet. I'm so feeble. It takes my part of the Christmas decorations for the lights outside. Granted, it's outside and it's a bit chilly. Yeah. takes me about 15 minutes. I did that slap my hands together in satisfaction like I'm done. I get in the house, there's like 800 Christmas decorations, and my wife says, well, I just thought I'd start getting some stuff out. She's literally worked three hours, and that's what she considers a start. So we're well on the way. Tree's going to come a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's going to be a COVID Christmas. We'll see what that's like, but I'll still take christmas in any form i i have to say and add on to what you were talking about in the outside of the house i've done my basics however mm-hmm. we got a guy living right behind us here across the other side of the street and this guy's got the led light show on the eaves trough it's there all year so even in the summer he can light up his house <laughs> the way he wants and i figured okay well you know that's fine let him knock himself out so last night i noticed that all the trees now have been wrapped and I'm thinking, I can't compete with that. You know, I, it's just, uh, I, I'm i going to be the Clark Griswold of the neighborhood, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but uh, anyway, it is uh, it is the season. We're getting into the month of December real fast here. I guess the only thing that I felt a little bad about was the fact that it was Grey Cup Sunday. It, this We went through this again on Labor Day, remember? We talked about this. It was mm-hmm. Grey Cup Sunday. It was supposed to be in Regina, and it wasn't. The next one's coming up in Hamilton, but I felt a little melancholy about the fact that this is Grey Cup Sunday and there's no Grey Cup. And so uh, obviously we'll be chatting with Rod about that. One of the goals and one of the things that you and I have been talking about is getting into our guest segments a little quicker. 
So yeah. we're going to be implementing that on this podcast. And then coming up at toward the end of the show, you and I, there's lots to talk about too. You had a couple of hot button things you wanted to chat about, right? Sure do. Yeah. A couple of hirings in the national hockey league, uh, a little of this, a little of that. Nothing as important as uh, our guest, though. We'll get to Rod Peterson in Regina coming up in a couple of moments, but we do have to tell you The Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. 2020 has been a challenging year for a lot of people, and it ain't done yet. They uh, they really did rise to the challenge, though. They took a good hard look at where the Edmonton market was at midsummer and said, we got to make a change here, here, and here. And things have really kind of picked up nicely for them. They're going to finish the year rather successfully at the Macintosh Group, which is no surprise. They've got a great team over there. And uh, they are helping buyers find their next home. And they're helping sellers get that big sale sign. The, the sold sign goes up. That's what the, the, not, everybody feels good when they see that. But as I said, Brent and his group would love to hear from you. All you have to do is just give them a shout at the Macintosh Group. The number is real simple. It is 780-464-0075. That's 780-464-0075. Or you can take a look at them online. It's real simple there, too, as well. It's macintoshgroup.ca. They're always looking for sellers, buyers. They've been looking for a new agent. I don't know if they've filled that position or not, but if you're interested, make sure you give them a shout. Okay. Are you ready for Rod Peterson? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. Let's get to Rod. It's only appropriate we would have the star of the Rod Peterson show on, and that, of course, would be Rod Peterson from his luxurious home in beautiful downtown <laughs> Regina, where the Grey Cup should have been played yesterday. And I felt a little a little down about that. Rod, how did you feel? A lot of people felt down, Bryn, and I was on a lot of shows across the country. People were saying, what's Saskatchewan going through this like what, this week? What's it feel like? And all week, it was just any other week. You wouldn't have known there was supposed to be a Grey Cup. And then on Sunday, you saw a downpouring of emotion on social media with the crying face emoji and, you know, photos of the best Grey Cup memories and so forth. But I would say roundabout Labor Day is when it hit home that there wasn't going to be a Grey Cup and there wasn't going to be a season. It was $100 million out of the economy is what it was going to be. So people just really didn't want to think about it because it's quite depressing. Like you can think about the whole Grey Cup part of all, and that would have been great too. It was supposed to be the coming out party for our stadium, right? Because most of the country haven't been here to see it. And now we got to wait another two years. So it was, it was not forlorn. It was depressing and, and anger for some people too. Well, you know, I've loved the Canadian football league for a long time. I mean, I wrote the hockey beat for a long time, but I love that game. I mean, I I've been sitting there watching it since I want to say 1962 at Empire Stadium in Vancouver uh, when I was a four-year-old kid was my first game. I missed the game this year. I think we all did, but just having that Grey Cup game day come and go with nothing, you kind of, I, I didn't get depressed, but I kind of sat back and thought, holy cow, how do we get back to what we're used to? Because it's been a part of a lot of our lives for a long time. So how do we get back? We've got a schedule. I don't know how much it means, but Rod, what happens next? 
Well, it's funny you say that because that was the title of my commentary today. So what now? <laughs> you know, because we got through that Grey Cup and there was the memories. Guys, we had a Zoom call with the Football Reporters of Canada on Sunday morning. You guys probably been at it before, right? That Sunday yeah. morning brunch, always of Grey Cup weekend. And that was the talk because to say what do we do now to me is a little bit of a waste of time because it's not our job, Robin. It's the CFLs. Yeah. And they haven't really asked for help. So I don't spend a lot of time. Look, I get it. Trust me. But, you know, they announced the schedule. You said all the things. You see all the public things that everybody else sees. The schedule's out. Hamilton unveiled their logo for next year's Grey Cup. But I've wanted a guarantee that we're going to play. And the commissioner won't give it. So I'm just kind of – that. what's next would be a nice guarantee that they're going to find a way to play without fans. And they're not willing to do that. So I don't want to be a bit of a downer here, but I think there's a difference between realism and negativity. And I want to be real. Are we playing next year or not, Robin? Like, we yeah. can't really plan until we know. It's funny. We we chatted with Chris Cuthbert a few months ago, and one of the things that, that I expressed to Chris, and he kind of echoed it a little bit, was I didn't like how they went into a radio silence mode through the entire summer. We didn't really know what was going on with the league. Everybody kept saying, are we going to have a season? Are we going to have a season? Nobody stepped up and said anything. They didn't keep us in the loop. And I'm not talking about media. Fans weren't kept in the loop. At least now they're at least saying something and maybe giving us a carrot on a stick, something to look forward to. But I would rather hear negative stuff than no stuff at all out of the Canadian Football League at this point. Yeah, but you guys have been in this a long time, as have I. The CFL, and the way sports is now, before you press record, we acknowledged how it's a different time. And the people running these teams and leagues, and let's be honest, broadcast outlets now, can't handle any negativity whatsoever. I think that's why the three of us are involved in this call right now. <laughs> you know, because we kind of come from the old school. And the CFL would rather say nothing than be criticized is my point. Yeah. And I think the commissioner, you know, good on him for coming out and saying, having a state of the league last week, mm -hmm. but then the next, but he didn't say anything. So the next day he came on my show and I said, Randy, I was hoping you would say that we're going to play no matter what. And he's like, well, Rod, you know, you're a pro and you're looking a little deeper than most people. And we've got several options to play. And, I, well, I'm a fan just like anybody else. Guys, I buy season tickets. And, and by the way, do you know why I buy season tickets for the Pats and the Rush and the Riders? It's so that I don't, that I don't owe the team anything. Yeah. Not that, oh, we let you in the press box for free and we fed you, so you better be nice to us, which is what it's become. So sorry to go off on my tangent here. No, it's all right. Anyways, yeah, well, they just they feel like um, – you know, they don't want the public glare. So my, my direction of my show today was, listen, I'm not going to be on the CFL's back all every day for months now that it's the technical off season. I'm, gonna, I'm doing hockey broadcasts. I'm covering the NFL. I'm going to move on because this is what you guys want. And there was a lot of fans writing into my show, a lot in it from Edmonton, wanting to talk CFL. And I said, guys, I'm, I'm not going to be that guy sitting here all winter whining and pissing and moaning that there's no plan that that's, that's not my deal. So <laughs> that's my answer to that. Well, I mean, yeah, we've got to hear, we don't make the call. Uh, we react when the call is made and until that call is made, uh, you know, why sit here and what if, 
um, if only. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't do any good. It has to come from the top. The teams have to get together and decide how it's going to be and what it's going to be. Uh, I don't think they can possibly. Uh, you know, I, I would hope not playing is 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 not an option. Um, but I don't know. Give give me a. They've given us a schedule, but that's not really worth the paper it's printed on, is it? Not to me. Like, <laughs> most teams have their season tickets on sale. And the riders have unveiled the ticket package where you can actually buy season tickets for the next three years. They're calling it an MVP program. And there's a lot of perks in there. You can get a signed jersey by your favorite player. and There's a lot of cool stuff. But let's forget about the, the fans for a second and just think about sponsorship. Gentlemen, mm-hmm. if you own... Griffith's farm machinery. Are you buying an ad on the field until you get a guarantee that there's a season? Are you going to, Bryn? No, I, I've got other places to spend that machinery money. <laughs> well, see what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's I don't want to say they're trying to trick people. That's what it looks like. Let me go, let me flip this for a second. The NHL has guaranteed a season. They've said it many times. And it's like five weeks away, January first. We don't have a schedule yet. The WHL has guaranteed a season beginning January 8th. They don't have a schedule yet. (laughs) But they have a plan to play. CFL is completely opposite and backwards, if you will. We have a schedule. We're announcing our coaching staff. Okay, guarantee me that you're going to play then. Can't do that. No, you're right. Hey, see, uh, see the and, difference? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. But this is the way the league has always been a little flip, flip from every other league. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not horribly surprised by that. Uh, Mike Riley's situation out in Vancouver it looks like it probably cost Ed Hervey his job. Uh, from the reports we've been hearing, is that Rick Lalisher wasn't even aware there was guaranteed money there, but. That, to me, shakes the foundation of the league when you start hearing stories like that. Do you feel the same way? It does. I was actually thinking of guys like yourselves that covered the NHL and worked in the NHL for a long time because, Bryn, when that Riley story came out, and I'm sure the Lions didn't want it to come out. <laughs> How could they, right? Right. There was various reports. You had, you had Farhan from TSN saying, oh, David Braley didn't know about this deal, this side deal. You had... Uh, you know, Farhan said that Rick Wallisher, who you guys would know well, he's now the Lions president, he didn't know about the deal. Well, Three Down Nations reporting that those guys did. Yeah. Braley and Lawlisher. And that's, hmm. that's highly embarrassing as far as I'm concerned. And then let's not even get into the whole concept of side deals because okay, I worked full-time in the league for 20 years. I never knew the actual length of a contract. I never knew how much a contract was unless I was told by the team or the agent or the player. That's not a that's not a thing in the NHL. So I guess my point is, do you re- ever remember a story in your time in the NHL? And I'm sure there have been. I just can't think of any where everybody was denying something and pointing fingers at each other and nobody could get the right story. That's just embarrassing. And that's what the Riley situation is to me. And by the way, now the Lions have come out and said, oh, we expect Mike next year. Everything's good. And I'm like, can we hear from Mike Riley on that? Yeah. Because <laughs> he hasn't said anything. No, you're right. It's funny, too, because the league doesn't like to announce how much guys are being paid. Way back in the day when I was on the radio, we used to make it up with with the Eskimo guys. 
Well, I still remember Sean Fleming signed a contract, and we talked about $21 million a year for Sean Fleming to kick field goals. Just because <laughs> because it, it, we were just trying to make fun of it. And I think Sean, uh, who I love, phoned up and said, okay, all right, all right guys, you're it, don't please don't anymore. So we uh, – and so we respected him for it, but it's always I, I'm big on transparency. I like I like it when we can find out how much the guys are being made or how much they're making because I think fans deserve to know where their money is going. But you yes. guys, and I think, well, I think Robin hit on something there when he said, "Where are we going?" And I, my personal answer to that is the CFL needs to understand and realize what it is. They've lost track of who they are as a league. And maybe you guys know that I was always led to believe the reason they didn't announce contracts amounts was because of how embarrassingly low that they were. Yeah. That's the only reason that I know. And I'm like, there's nothing embarrassing about making 95,000 a year guys, just to tell you that's the average, that's the average salary in the American hockey league. That's the average salary in the CFL, but, but they want to purport themselves as NFL light. You know, and they want to be in the puncher's class of uh, the NHL and the NFL in this country. And they're just not because they've lost the marketing battle long ago. Yeah. So you guys need to realize that the Chase Claypools of the NFL, the Canadian kids, are not probably ever going to play in your league. Times have changed. So you need to acknowledge what you are. And, Robin, that's what I think their first step needs to be. But I don't think they agree with, with that at all. Well, it wouldn't be the first time they disagreed with a good idea. That's the problem. Um, you mentioned marketing. What are, what do you think is going to happen with the, I'm going to call them the Edmonton Eskimos name. Um, they're putting it to the fans. They're not calling it a contest as much of, as a, a consultation. But let's see. Hmm. They want it to be double E. So what are what are the options aside from the Edmonton Empire, which has already been used in marketing uh, up to this point? The only name I want to hear is Empire. And everybody in Edmonton tells me, no, 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 the team president said that they're not going to be that. Because it has, you know, it's uh, offensive in some ways. Like at what point are we going to stop <laughs> offending people or being offended. What I'm hearing, Robin, is the Edmonton Elk, and I would be very, I would be offended of uh, that because it's so bad. Um, <laughs> I just, listen, it's funny because Edmonton and Regina aren't that far apart, and I feel like you guys are on another planet. Like, I got, like, as far in terms of distance, like, I got a lot of friends up there and guys that played for the Eskimos that are very upset at the franchise in terms of just not having a backbone and how they're not, you know, the Eskimo way just literally and figuratively isn't a thing anymore. You know, and, and the way that they do things. What you just said is a good point. They're going to they're gonna get fan submissions, but not allow the fans to vote on it. That just screams of what's wrong with sports right now. The team doesn't want to give up control to the fans. It wasn't a problem with a lot of other teams for the last hundred years, but I, I, I'd like it to be the Empire, but... Um, Bren, they tell me that's not going to happen. Well, here's the other thing, too, that I heard just late last week, and that is they're prepared to dump the EE part, so to open it up, but they didn't want to change the team colors and that kind of stuff. I, I think everything is – I think it's wide open for discussion, but at the end of the day, the football club is going to make the final decision. Fans will be in a consultation mode. The other thing, too, 
1981 Eskimo football team was named uh, the 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 league's best team ever. And uh, here you have the broadcaster basically saying that the 1981 Edmonton Football Club was selected the best team ever, and it, it kind of upset me a little bit. And and okay, I I get why you want to make the change, and and I'll support it. But as far as I'm concerned, until they decide to cut their tie with the name, if I'm going to be looking back at teams with Warren Moon on them or uh, Tom Wilkinson, or we go back even further, Bruce Lemmerman and Don Truel and Jim Germany, all those old guys on those teams, they played for the Edmonton Eskimos. And I just don't want history to be completely whitewashed away here when we're talking about a team. That 81 team set the table for five in a row. We may never see that again. I, uh, you actually really hit on something there with the history of a team, almost to the Inuit people. I feel like saying, do you understand that your history is going to be wiped away? Do you really want that? You know, and I'm, I'm so done with the 2020 discussion of team names and so forth, but we're not done with it. I mean, wait, wait, Bryn, a team that's near and dear to your heart, the Moose Jaw Warriors are going to have news coming up in the new year with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. With their name and logo, by the way. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, I if 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 it is offensive to some people, we do need to look at it. But I, gosh, I mean, I'm not an Edmonton guy, but if I were, I would be sick that the history of the Eskimos is about to get whitewashed away. Who's fighting for it? That's the scariest thing for me. You know, Rod, I can live with the name change. It's not for me tell, uh, you know, indigenous people whether they should or shouldn't be offended. And we can get into percentages. We can get into whether it came down to advertisers saying they would pull the trigger, which is probably the more of the truth in my mind. But the history remains the same. They are, or they were the Edmonton Eskimos when those gray cups were won, when everything historical happened. To me, if you want to take away the name Eskimos as it relates to the past, it's like going around and dragging down statues that were a part of our history. We may want to distance ourselves from some of that history for uh, some very good reasons, but the fact remains it's a part of our history. I know, and that's what uh, (laughs) I've spent as much time talking about this over the last nine months as you guys. And some people have said to me, people just have too much time on their hands. (laughs) This was never an issue before, but it is now because, you know, people have nothing else to think about right now. And and, and it's interesting, by the way, because Ricky Foley, who never played for Edmonton, but you guys know him well, three-time Grey Cup champion with the Argos, Riders, and Lions, was basically canceled on the weekend over a comment about his his coronavirus take. And he was sticking up for small business in... in, uh, Toronto is with the lockdown and people are just trashing him and unfollowing him and saying, if we had known you were this kind of guy, I never would have supported you. And I'm thinking when he goes to go in the hall of fame, which he will, because not many guys I'm talking about the Canadian football hall of fame. Not a lot of guys have won three great cups with three different teams. Is this cancel culture crowd going to come out and try and cancel him then? So he doesn't get into the hall of fame. Mm-hmm. My point is Robin, I thought this cancel culture mob is about, compassion and inclusion and Ricky was frankly was having a meltdown on social media over the weekend a meltdown and as a recovery coach I can tell you that I recognize it 
And I thought it goes to tearing down our heroes. Right? Are you gonna are you gonna trash what Ricky Foley as a player because he's supporting small business in Toronto? You know what I mean? Like, where does it end? And uh, you guys must hear it a lot. Oh, you guys are public guys. You must be careful what you must be really worried about what you say. I'm like, I'm not worried about it at all. Are you guys? Never bothered me. I tried to be fair. That's all. That's all I all I ever asked. In fact. If, if there's been a big knock on me through my broadcast career, it's the fact that I never was enough of a homer. I was too fair. Yeah. I saw things balanced. I, I still have an article that our friend Bob Duff was writing when he was up in Saskatoon at the Star Phoenix and said, Bryn never makes the referees out to be the evil bad guys like some of the other broadcasters in the Western League. To me, bro- to me broadcasting has always been fun and not mean-spirited, and I just wanted to say how I felt. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think that I ever really came off of that railway track. I, I always like to be – I always like to hear people say, you know what, you were fair. And what's wrong with that, really? Well, I want Robin's take on that. Do people say that to you, Robin? Well, you know, the thing, the thing I find is social media um, – you know, it turns into a bit of a shooting gallery and, and, you know, the keyboard warriors tend to want to pile on and, and, you know, you're allowed to have an opinion. Uh, I still believe, um, you know, have my thoughts on some things changed over the years? Yes, they have. Um, but they probably, some of my opinions still differ with some of the people out there. And, you know, I looked down a timeline and, it's of, of the words you can say on television, you know, some of the notes uh, can, uh, or can't say on television, some of the, the notes contain all of them. And it's like, I just think differently than you, that's allowed. But you get a whole string of people getting brave and saying things they would never say in a conversation or a proper debate. So I think people get carried away sometimes. I don't have a lot of time for it. To me, that's what the mute button is for or the block button is for. Mm-hmm. I've never had somebody walk up to me uh, and to my face and say, you know, you're an idiot. It, it, that's just not what debate is about. Now, I've had people suggested in various ways, um, and they've probably been right at times, but I, I just think we get too carried away. Yeah, we have to change. Yes, there's some things we said and some things we did guys of at least Bryn and I are a little bit older than you Rod um you know I remember bad old days I don't remember some of them with with great nostalgia uh there were some things we did a really terrible job of uh, and you get reminded of that but I don't think we have to hit everybody over the head with it uh, like a hammer all the time we're evolving we'll get there uh, let's not get too excited and get so ugly with everybody that doesn't hold the same opinion. Well, just to swing things for a second, uh, last spring, and then I'll bring up what you said here too, Bryn, but last spring, Robin, you asked me on this show what I thought about where this business is and where it's going. And at that time, I didn't really have an opinion on it, but I spent like the last eight, nine months thinking about that question. Mm-hmm. And um, the business has changed, but I... <laughs> when you both said you haven't had somebody confront you, 
Bryn, I had a referee, and you might remember his name, Jeff Nicholas, attack me in a bar in re- in bar restaurant in Regina one night called uh, Bonzini's for something I'd said on the radio. <laughs> and I'm going to bring up a name that you guys will remember, Lauren Mulliken. Yeah. He was coaching the Pats, and of course he coached the Chicago Blackhawks and Cape Breton Oilers. Bruce Joe Warriors. And he told me, and the Warriors. Were you the voice of the Warriors then? Yeah, well, listen, I went through more coaches there. I, I lasted longer than most of the coaches. I think I in my five you were the years. Reason. In five years, I think I saw seven coaches. <laughs> well, I should send you a, ta- a link to the article I wrote on Mooner. It's a three-part series at Dub Network. But anyways, he just told me, if you're going to call our games, you need to call them from a Pat's point of view. And we weren't real good. And I'm going... Okay, so I can't say what's really going on here because Lauren's family's listening. He's from here. So he, so you better blame the refs or you better do this, right? And I just, I didn't have the backbone, Bryn, maybe that you did. But it's, that was in 2000. That's 20 years ago. Yeah. Your time with it was 30 years ago. I know. I ordered so now, pizzas. I ordered yeah. a pizza on the air because <laughs> the game with the Pats and the Warriors was so one sided. <laughs> right. So, anyways, Robin back to the question of how this business has changed. It's just gone swung so far where as a play by play guy, you can't call the game that you want to call because you're being influenced by the coaches and the people above you. And the teams really screwed this up in that, you know, I was the original writer for CFL.ca and I was writing for the rough riders website too. And over time, my columns for the Rough Riders website had to pass through the PR guy, then the marketing guy, then the president. And by the time it got posted to the roughriders.com, it would look nothing like what I was writing. And this isn't just a Rough Rider thing. Every team's that way. They all want to control the message. And the fans, I'm starting to hear it. And I don't know if you guys are hearing it in your market, but it's like we want the truth. We want the truth. Well, would we you know, launched- so just. Sorry, yeah. Rod. Carry on. When, no, we, when we launched TSN, what was then Team 1260 in Edmonton, we didn't have the rights to anything. 630 Ched down the dial had it. So we decided, well, the only way we're going to be able to draw any attention to ourselves is to let fans have their say. And we decided to be the voice of the fan. If you want to call the team out, because, you, you know, if they lose 6 nothing, we didn't want the usual bullshit from fans, or not from fans, but from the team. We wanted the fans to say how they felt. However, if they beat somebody 6 nothing, we wanted to hear some good stuff. So we kind of played it down the middle with fans, but it's harder It's harder for broadcasters to do that now. I, I don't miss that part of it at all. I don't either. Yeah, go ahead, Robin. Well, it's funny. I mean, I got off on my social media tangent uh, when we were talking about confronted. Well, um yeah, I was I was once confronted by Kevin Lowe. I thought we were going to have a fist fight in the lobby down uh, uh, in the arena because I I added on what I believe was good information that they were talking to teams about uh, trading captain Jason Smith, and Kevin uh, said I had bad information. We got into it into the stands, and Bill Tuelli managed to drag us down the stairs uh, into the lobby out of sight and. It was nose to nose and the saliva flew, shall we say. Um, or there was the time in Vegas when the local flyweight and former Olympian named Scotty Olson was coming off a, a bout that I didn't think he looked him that impressive in. He won, but I figured he should have won with, 
one hand tied behind his back. His manager, who was a fellow of some uh, historical note in the boxing world, Bruce the Mouse Strauss, who got knocked out in every town in North America and sometimes fought twice in the same night, took me under the bleachers at a fight card in Vegas, and he kept looking around, and I was convinced. He said, you ruined the kid's uh, uh, psyche. His confidence is shot. That's on you. And I looked down, and he had a fist there, and his fist was about as big as a frying pan, and he kept looking around until it looked like there would be no people who could see him floor me. And finally somebody walked up and had a question for us. One of the people on the promotional team back then it was top rank uh, with Scotty Olson and I made my escape and then he cooled off and never did hunt me down. But yeah, I mean, we've all had those. It's not (laughs) always good news. Well, I just thought if this guy hits me, he's going to have kill me. So please at least leave a mark. I think I'd, or I think I'd done the sneaky, uh, I'd turned my tape recorder on at that point in case, uh, <laughs> in case he filled me in where no one could see, but you know, that's, that's old. That was, that was talk about old school. That was, I want to say 22 or 23 years ago. Kevin was a little more recent, but Hey, reasonable debate and even arguments are, 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 are fine and they happen. It's not all good news. If the team's logo is not on your paycheck, it's not all good news. And right, I know, and that's yeah. just yeah. Go ahead. No, right. no, no. Go ahead, Brent. Right. Yeah. You, you've had a few of these episodes too, where you get cornered by guys. I've had them, but all I say to people is, if we're not, if you don't think we're being fair, just tell me. And usually that has been able to, uh, I guess, kind of diffuse situations. But you've also not been scared to share your opinion on things, but that's why our careers lasted as long as they did was because we did it. That, and then and, and back then that was kind of expected. Well, I just want to tell you just a footnote on all these stories. I mean, that's the role of the play by play guy, yours, Robin, as the uh, reporter described, but just furthermore to where we are now on that zoom call with all the reporters of the CFL across Canada. And, and again, you guys have been part of those, brunches on Grey Cup Sunday, uh, Steve Simmons was on our call and he's like, listen, this room used to be packed with 60 to 75 guys. Now the newspapers and networks aren't sending reporters anymore. I mean, every little affiliate radio station across the country that might not have even had the broadcast rights was sending somebody to Grey Cup. Mm -hmm. So Robin, your question was how the business has changed. And I look at it and say, you know what, we're actually in a good position the three of us right now because we're delivering what the listeners and viewers and readers actually want. They want the truth. And for me, when I left the Rough Riders, I was literally, and Brent and I talked, and Brent, I will never forget that you called me like within days of that happening. I was done with the industry. I was going to do something else because I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore because I was sat down and told to go on the air and lie Yeah. for the Rough Riders. And I'm like, I won't. Here's, Here's my job. Here's the key to the station. I'm done. I'm not, no, I'm not lying to these people. Yeah. And I just didn't want to do it. So, you know, I ended up with this Facebook live show and I had people laugh at me for a frigging year that I was doing a Facebook live show. And then lo and behold, it goes to national TV on game plus And all of a sudden we're doing something special. And I'm like, I'm still doing the same damn show. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what the platform is. 
So just getting outside of what I guess my point is, if we can do shows like this for the fun, it should still be fun. And I know a lot of guys that are doing this business, it isn't that much fun for them when they're being told what to say and what to write. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And the good thing about that is the only person ultimately that you have to answer to, because if you're doing it wrong, people won't listen. You'll get that message right away. But the people that you have to answer to, you look in the mirror and you say, am I, am I telling people the way I see it? That's a good boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You nailed it. You just crushed that out of the stadium. But anyways, Bryn, what I, else you got? I, well, one of the things we wanted to talk about is the show that you're doing, because I think you're doing a great job. I'm very proud of you. And I'm also, I also love the fact that when people tell you you can't do it or it's just not going to work, one of the secrets in broadcasting these days, what's left of it, is when you lose your job, and you will lose your job at some point, all good broadcasters have done it, is finding a way to reinvent yourself. You've come back and you reinvented this show, and you had a lot of naysayers to begin, and now you've turned it into uh, into a, a nice little jewel that, that you can have some fun with, and you can basically say how you feel about any topic. Tell everybody a little bit about, because not everybody knows what you're doing. Tell everybody what you're doing. Well, I mean, I I was going to Twitch as well. I mean, you're doing the Twitch thing, right, Brent? Not yet, because it's a very time-consuming thing, but I do like the fact that there's over 115 million potential viewers every day. Uh, right. That, that's oh, I know. pretty powerful. I, I know. Well, I stop me. I'm going to try not to go too long. This is kind of my passion project here. But just to say it again, people were laughing at me, and I read the message boards where people were saying, well, Rod's demographic. How are they going to watch a digital show? They're all got gray hair. And I'm like, any kid in this province under the age of 30 doesn't know any other voice of the Rough Riders but me. Don't worry about my demographic. But there was just so many naysayers, like you said. But in that spring after I left the Riders, it was easy for me, guys, because I'm like, I don't really know what I want to do in life, but I know what I don't want to do. <laughs> and that is be where I'm not wanted and be where, where I'm told what to say. I don't want to do that anymore. So these guys, and I think you know Darren DuPont and our third business partner, partner, Paul Druin, said, would you be interested in hosting a Facebook Live show? And if you've seen it, like it's CBC-worthy production, right? Like it's, That's great. it's a very slick show that way. Yeah, and you know, and I talked with Twitch. I told you that. They wanted me to do a two-hour daily Rough Riders show. And I guess, I mean, I'm a bit of a God guy. Everything happens for a reason. I don't know where I'd be right now if I had to do a two-hour show daily on the Riders. You'd probably see me swinging from a rope is what you'd see. Um, the Facebook Live show... It just didn't, it allowed me to get back in touch with my hockey roots, which is my mother tongue, Robin. I mean, that's what nobody understands is I come from hockey. Bryn knows that. Yep. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we just, I just went in there and just let her rock every day. And the, and the viewership picked up because people liked the, you know, shoot from the hip angle of it. And, you know, people were calling me Canada Stephen A. Smith or what are you trying to be Don Cherry? I'm like, I'm not trying to be anybody. My friends and family know that that's me sitting in that chair every day, just letting it rock. And, uh, and then we got the national TV deal with game plus and we were supposed to go to air March 19th on national TV, but COVID backed that up until July 2nd. But that's, so you can watch this every day on Facebook live, but we're on national TV uh, every day on Game Plus. And what's funny about that is 
couple stories. Perry Shockey was sitting at his home in Lethbridge. It just moved into a new condo, and the co- and the cable was Telus. And he sees this Rod Peterson show on his cable grid, and he's like, "This can't be the same effing guy." Clicks on it, and he's like, "Oh, there's your ugly mug." So he texts texts the show number, and he goes, "I see you still have a face for radio." And Shockey and I, you know how hockey guys are. Shockey and I hooked up, hadn't talked for 15 years. And then Rich Sutter was just on my show today. And I said, Richie, what's your cable in Lethbridge? She goes, oh, it's Telus. I said, you get our show, Rich. He didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're kind of in a thing where people get the show and don't even know that they have it on their TV. So I'll stop talking there. I'm just, um, I think people understood that I have the contacts as evidenced by the Ken Holland scoop. I know what I'm talking about. I talk to CFL players every day. And I guess I used to be on the owners and governors and GM side for a long time. I've swung, well, I guess I've swung over to the players and coaches side. And guess what side that is there? Those guys don't lie. <laughs> the, the Ken Holland scoop? What are, you, what are you talking about? That was bullshit. It never happened. <laughs> None of the hockey guy. Oh, oh just, just a second. He is the GM, isn't he? I have some uh, photos blown up, headlines that say Holland reports uh, fake news. I think is what it was from some American newspaper. But uh, but anyways, yeah, that's the answer to that question. Well, let's back up the hockey thing for a minute because your dad, I loved your dad. Your dad was just a fantastic guy and uh, and had a deep, deep hockey background and and uh, and then you also were the voice of the Regina Pats for a while too. So your your hockey uh, your hockey background it goes way back. But it's just if people weren't in that particular area in Saskatchewan, they may not know about that. And I uh, I, I when I saw that story, I went, oh really? Uh, but uh, I, I wasn't surprised by that at all. But your dad, how many teams your dad worked for? One, just the one, the Minnesota North. Minnesota North Stars and Dallas Stars okay. for 26 years. Um, and before that, the Pats, Wheat Kings, and Calgary Wranglers. But in the NHL, one team. Yeah. And his boss, I mean, that's, you guys know sports have been around longer than me. His boss was Craig Button for like 15 of those years. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, I would, like Craig I've known since I was 15 years old. You know, it, so. the other thing, too, and I'm, I still miss this. There's not a, a lot of stuff that I can say I really miss. I just was happy to be part of <laughs> a lot of things. But I used to just love, and this goes back to the old Crush Can and the, the Moose Jaw Civic Center, was the scout lounge or the media lounge downstairs where the, the coffee would, was like paint thinner. But you get a chance to talk to the Lorne Davis of the world or the Jerry Melnick or your dad and uh, Lou Jankowski. It, it went on and on and on. Those scouts, man, they, uh, they earned their paychecks. And I used to just love to hear those stories. You'd sit in that little room and the guys would just be pouring all these stories out. And it was just, t- to me, that was special time. Well, I'm kind of feeling for those scouts right now because uh, I'm calling AAA midget hockey or U18 as they're calling it now. Yeah. And there was a group of those scouts, Bryn, just Friday night at the Pac Canadians game, and they all had their masks. They're younger now, right? They're not the old grizzled fedora wearing guys like we we were used to. But I said, "How's the scouting going?" Because they're not allowed to talk to players, right? They're doing most of it by video, and they're like, "It sucks. 
Like, I couldn't imagine my dad trying to fire up his laptop and watch a hockey game. My God, you could barely turn it on. <laughs> but we had Bob McKenzie on our show a couple of weeks ago. And I said to Bob, how many junior – actually, I said to him, what's your secret sauce for getting scoops? Because that's – in our business, as you know, that's the cachet. That's oh, yeah. The, uh, that's the currency. And Bob goes, well, yeah, I just go to this, the scouts room and have a coffee and a donut. That's what I love. And he goes, eventually or inevitably, there's somebody with loose lips, you know. And because I was raised by a scout, I know the scouts just want to be heard. Like, I get a lot of my info in football and hockey from the scouts. And, um, yeah, and our producer laughed with our, when Bob said that because I've been saying that for years. I only go to Pats games now to go to the media room and have a donut. I might stay for half the game and go home. I'm not going – there's not going to be a fight, for God's sakes. There's probably not going to be a hit. I go for the community. <laughs> you know, it's funny how you mention that. We've all got our memories. I remember when Ken Holland was a raw scout having coming out, uh, you know, coming off a playing career that obviously had ended for him, uh, or Queen's Park Arena, uh, you know, where the new Westminster Bruins played, and – Walter Babe Pratt holding court with the wow. scouts in the coach's room. I mean, that's a name. Yeah. I mean, I was still in school taking journalism and I'm sitting in a room drinking shitty coffee with Babe Pratt. I mean, talk about an eye opener. And, you know, the, I miss that. And it's funny, we had Bob on not long ago either. And, yeah, the video thing, I get it. The technology, it makes sense, plus with the, the, the situation we're in now. But uh, that is a big part of that Canadiana, the scouts all in the upper ring, uh, upper row of seats where they would sit depending on the rink, going for the coffee. Um, I tell you what, I bet you all of us have a million stories from, from that scouting room. Do you feel like we're losing that a little bit? Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we we are in that they nobody talks to each other anymore. Yeah, no, exactly. The other thing too, we have the World Juniors coming up here in Edmonton at the end of December. No scouts coming. Uh, which is incredible. I just I and, and having gone to the one last year in the Czech Republic where I ran into everybody, like uh, you know, Todd Marchand, <laughs> who's the director of player development, and Bill Guerin at that point had just taking over the gig with the wild and you run into all sorts of hockey people. It's just not going to be that way this time around because of the bubble and the lockdown. And I just hope that they go back to it. I hope that that's not a sign of things to come because part of the fun of hockey is seeing people behind the scenes. Those behind the scenes people are great. I think, I think we will. I mean, that's one thing we brought Rich Sutter on as our world junior uh, insider or analyst or whatever. He said he thinks that each NHL team is going to get one, two, or three people allowed in the bubble. Good. And where they're going to situate them. Yeah. Well, that's still not like we'd be able to talk to him, though. I mean, Al Stafford's a really good buddy of mine, and he told me how the NHL bubble worked for the playoffs. And it's like he went in, went up an elevator, announced the game, down the elevator and out. Yeah. yeah he wasn't able to talk to anybody. And I think if the teams had their way, that will continue into uh, whenever we come out of this. But I was happy with seeing NFL Network and ESPN that they've flown their pe- – they got their guys all together now on the panel because I didn't think they were – because it's so much cheaper right, to do it over video. And, oh, you yeah. know, these guys that run the, the corporations now, it's all about that. But at least somebody in America cares about a product. 
We're just about out of time here. How are you doing? Everything okay? Because this has been a tough year in a lot of people, not only professionally, but also personally. You coming through the year okay? Oh, I'm I'm doing great. I'd rather not leave my house anyway, so <laughs> I'm fine. And I'm 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 as you know, working as a recovery coach and I was just and I have been for three years now. Yeah. And I was just on the air in Winnipeg Saturday morning, six eighty C J O B and the topic was how to motivate yourself in the pandemic. And um and if I could say and you get it, you guys get it. I, I said get outside yourself. I mean, you reached out to me when I needed it, Bryn. Right? It probably for that day made you forget about your problems. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm telling yep. people, reach outside yourself. Reach out to three people a day, and you'll realize that your problems aren't that big. And uh, so our show's continued. My wife's working. Our, I became a grandfather in this. Huh. So at the age of 47, um, actually, I, 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 I'd be happy when it goes back to the old way, but I'm not complaining. How about you guys? I'm, I know your story, Bryn, through all this. Yeah, it's been a hell of a year for me, but uh, I'm excited about 2021 and moving forward and full speed ahead. And I always tell people that that's the best way to approach life is that you can't dwell too much on where you're at. You know, it's like my dad told me life's like driving a car. And I looked at him like he had four heads. I'm going, what the hell are you? What? He said, you got a big windshield to look forward while you steer the car and little mirrors to look back. You can't spend too much time looking back in those little mirrors or you're going to crash. So focus in the big yep. windshield and, and 500 yards ahead. And, and that's kind of my approach. And, uh, you know, we're, we're on the verge of another lockdown coming here in Alberta for sure by the looks of it. And uh, we're going to have to get through this next month at a tough time at Christmas and over the holiday season for a lot of people. So, uh, you know, I think podcasts, and it, 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 podcasts like this, shows like yours, we're upbeat, we're having some fun, and we're getting some information out and lots of opinion this is where people are going to be turning to, I think, over the next few months. And uh, I say we all take it on, and we take it on with a smile on our face and uh, enjoy it. Well, I've had more friends uh, get laid off here in the last week in our business, and it hasn't been made public. At some, and you know them. At some point, you're going to hear their names. So to finish, Robin, I've been thinking about that question about where our business is, and I actually think the three of us in particular – are in a really good position where we are because we have the credibility, we have the name and the years behind us, and we have the ability now to kind of carve our own path. So I'm, I'm happy with the state of where I'm at, maybe not the, the industry overall, but we're never going back to what it was before. So I'm taking the positives out of it. Yeah, I, and I go with Bryn about the, the analogy of the windshield to look ahead. We were going, I thought we were going great guns and making, uh, you know, great strides, uh, you know, when, when Bryn got, got sick. And that's clearly the most important thing, having your health, uh, you know, and, and, and we had to stop for a long time while he got well. But looking ahead now, we were just talking this morning, and we, we generally talk uh, almost before every podcast about what can we do better and how can we do this and how can we do that. And Today it was let's get to Rod as quickly as we can and let him talk. Um, I'm happy. I look. Uh, I look forward to the future with with great promise. I think we're all in a good position, like you say. Yeah. Now we don't have the automatic salary. Uh, the old paycheck is always nice. Uh, that's the one part of the old gig that is nice to be able to count on every couple of weeks. But there's possibilities out there, and and uh, 
I really like that idea at this point in my life. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready to rumble. <laughs> Good. Well, you kind of trade that paycheck for having people make these types of decisions for you, you know, yep. and, um, and being told how to do your job. And when you know that's wrong, I'm not oh, interested yeah. in it. So, <laughs> Hey, listen, thanks for your time. When we chat next, which will be sometime early in the new year, 2021, hopefully we'll be looking at the, uh, the schedule that was put out here in November and we'll be actually getting excited because we know we're going to see games. And that's exactly the, that's where I'd like to leave this baby. If we can do that. Is that okay with all of you guys? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, get ready study the world juniors because i want to bring you both on to my show because we're going to be going deep on that which i know you will be watching it so there we go Absolutely. count on that okay, okay Rod, guys thanks for your time all great as always it's always fun chatting and that's exactly what we've done here for an incredible 45 minutes thanks so. for everything guys love you both thank hey, you Rod, see you This is The Outsiders brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. It's Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee. Wow, we always have great conversations with Rod, and we just really know that he's going to bring it. We also know that the topic changes, that probably didn't go anywhere near the direction at some points that we thought it was going to go, but that's all part of the fun with Rod, and I enjoyed that very Uh much today. Yes, and he's such a young man at 47. I thought uh, he's not even near as crusty and old as you and I. Well, you know, the sad part is he grew up listening to me. (laughs) Like, as a teenager, he used to listen to me do the Warrior Games in Moose Show when he lived in Regina, and that's always very sobering when you hear that, is it not? Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, at least he doesn't call you... uh, Mr. Griffiths. Yeah. When people call you, when people call you Mr. and you think they're pretty close to your age, you know you're a fossil. Or Sir is another one that's bad. Hey, uh, <laughs> but before we just kind of wrap things up here, let's talk about a, a couple of topics that that we've been paying very close attention to. The Edmonton Eskimos held a 50-50 this past weekend, and it was in honor of Joey Moss, who we've talked about on this show numerous times, who passed away a few weeks ago. And they uh, they did exceptionally well. What was it, nine hundred and ninety thousand dollars on the fifty fifty? So somebody somebody walked away with four hundred and forty five thousand dollars tax free, and it all went to a great cause, Robin. Yeah, that that was outstanding, and, and they also managed to pull it all off on the same day. Uh, you know, we had those great fifty uh, fifty uh, totals that the Oilers put on. Uh, there was like a six-week wait or something for, for one of them to come through. They got the money. It was close to a million bucks, yeah. And it's and the Winifred Stewart Society is the, is the benefactor of half of that. It's, it's, it's tremendous. And, you know, um, I imagine Joey would be smiling about that. He long-term affiliation with that group and a lot of money. Yeah, hey, it's great to win the prize. But it's great to see that sum of money going uh, to that cause. And somebody who might be listening to us who has no clue who the Winifred Stewart Association is, this is a group that works with people with Down syndrome and really do a wonderful job trying to, uh, to, 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 to place individuals into a comfortable, normalized society. And uh, just looking at the respect that they have 
with the people they work for. It's a, it's a great organization. So I just wanted to pass that along. What else do you want to talk about? There? Okay, now we talked about the CFL season, and uh, we also talked about the Edmonton Football Club briefly <laughs> uh, on the schedule. And I think we may have said plenty. I'm with you. I think that uh, for the season to mean something, we need to have the commissioner in the new year step up and say, okay, we're ready to, we're really going to do it this time. Otherwise to me, and this is a league that I don't think can afford to have one more year without football, without it going away permanently. But finally, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Look, you know, have the plan before you've got the schedule. Uh, You know, I'm with Rod on that. It's easy to, and, and maybe they do. Because they haven't voiced it doesn't mean they don't have Correct. it. But given given the way they've handled things, uh, it's fair to doubt. Yeah, let's hear what the plan is. Obviously, it goes to the teams and the players and everybody involved first. But let the fans know what's happening. Let them in on the plan so they can get behind it. Because if people know what's going on, they will get behind it, especially when you're talking the Canadian Football League. Think we're going to see an NHL season sometime in January, or are they just kind of uh, pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back? I'm going to go with what I've set up to this point, Brent. I don't see how it's doable uh, the first week of January. It doesn't make sense to me because of the Christmas break, uh, because of the complications. And there are some fans or no fans uh, with the numbers as goofy as they are, the COVID numbers I'm talking about on both sides of the border, even if you've got a Canadian division, that's fine and it's a good idea. I like it. But you've got a country that's on fire now with this bloody uh, pandemic. It's as bad as it's ever been. That's the most important thing to keep people safe. I don't see how we can get it done before they start in February, and I don't think we see more than a 48-game schedule unless Gary Bettman's given up on getting back to something resembling a normal timeline, and you can't start in late in any time in January or, or early February and play 60 games or 70 games and hit that timeline. So I'm saying first week of February, 48 games. That's my best guess. I'm also going to be very curious to see how the World Juniors rolls out in Edmonton this time around and how much different – especially when you're talking about junior players who just feed off that emotion of the crowd, how different it's going to be where they're in a bubble and there's going to be no crowd. Now, granted, uh, I liked what the NHL did with the crowd noise and everything like that, but I just don't know. I just don't know how the kids are going to respond, but we'll see. Hey, just before we go, just got to thank Brent McIntosh and everybody at the McIntosh group at Remax River City for supporting our show. Uh, Brent uh, has really enjoyed what we've been doing here and said, I want to support you guys. And uh, we appreciate his support as we would if anybody else was interested in joining up. And we'll get to that in a second. But I just got, I got to tell you about the Macintosh group at Remax River City because this year, the year started slow. We had the COVID kind of kicking in in March and it's been hanging with us. Yet they found a way to make it, they found a way to make business work for them through all of this, and that is just fantastic stuff. And uh, they're going to end the year on a high note when things were looking rather bleak early in the year, like in March and in April. But if you're interested in selling your home or finding your next home, I really would recommend you get a hold of Brent or any of his team members because 
They do a great job. And the one thing that they always do is they find a way to get it done. And uh, a lot of people, we've seen that from a lot of people this year, people finding a way to get it done through uh, unprecedented times, at least for our generation. So if you're interested in talking to Brent or anybody at the Macintosh Group, give them a call, 780-464-0075. That's 464-0075 or online at macintoshgroup.ca. They would love they love it if you gave them a call. If you're, uh, you know, even close to selling or buying a new home, uh, they're great people to talk to. So thanks to Brenda and everybody. Hey, uh, people can email us, and we really would appreciate your emails. And you can tell us whether or not you're liking the direction our show is going, what you like, what you, and even what you don't like. And all you have to do is drop us an email at mightymouth at shaw.ca. That comes to me. I get back to everybody right away as fast as I possibly can. You can also check out our Twitter handle. It's real simple, too. It's at Outsiders2020. We're not changing that for the new year. It's going to be 2020, right, Robin? We- well, yeah, it's like it's like when the sign above the door says Established 2020. Uh, <laughs> we're established in 2020. It's it's sticking around. And you're doing a nice job of kind of looking after things on the, on the Twitter feed, and I appreciate that very much. But anyway, tell your friends... And subscribe to to our podcast. You know, all you have to do is just uh, find the RSS feed, and it's on all of your favorite ear candy sites, as I like to say. That's Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and it goes on and on and on. So uh, your support is greatly appreciated, and uh, the financial support uh, that is handed our way makes it easier for us, Robin, to sell this at home that we're not just screwing around and doing nothing and not getting paid on a Monday morning. You're not going to go there, are you? <laughs> uh, no, we're hey, we'll we're gonna we're gonna get paid. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be fine. But we we enjoyed the feedback, and we're gonna get bigger and better yeah. with your support. And and that's uh, that's that's pretty much it. Hey, some of the guys I'm trying to track down here going into the new year. I'd like to talk to James Duthie. He's got a new book out from TSN, but mm-hmm. going to be a little busy here over this World Juniors. Uh, Eddie Olchek, I, I was given a book as I was just getting back home after uh, recovering from my stomach cancer surgery uh, by the 25-year-old Jake in our house here. Eddie O's mm-hmm. book is a great read. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, I'd love to get a hold of Eddie if we can. Brian Burke's got a new book. Everybody's got a new book out. So we're going to continue to build on the show. Uh, the potential guest list keeps growing and growing and growing. Robin, we better get yeah. out of here. Yeah, we'll get out of here, and let's not forget. I'd love to. Get, I'd love to have a chat with Cami Granado sometime soon as well. Well, we've had a couple of big signings uh, in the NHL too. Do you want to briefly touch on those before we go away? Well, this was this was this was kind of cool. Uh, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have announced uh, they've hired uh, Kendall Coyne. In case you don't recall, she's the U.S. Olympian who put on the afterburner oh, show yeah. at the All Star Game. Man, can she fly? And. Uh, a young woman I'm not familiar with, but uh, named Megan Hunter, also with Chicago, has been promoted within their hockey ops department. So uh, times continue to change, and that's a good thing. Had a very good, positive email on our Tara Sloan interview that we did a few weeks ago as well. And uh, it's not us just trying to pretend to be inclusive. We we care. Uh, we're interested. And as far as I'm concerned, all of these hirings make these teams better. So, uh, yep. so, so that's exciting news. All right, Robin, let's get out of here, and we'll talk to everybody next week, okay? Yeah, see you then. All right, thanks. 
preceding was recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.